Welcome to another episode of the Waters Run Deep podcast. Um, one of your hosts, Chris, joined with Amanda, Angela, and Adam. And we're going to be talking about H.H. Holmes. Uh, Amanda's going to kick it off and tell us a little short bit about our topic, and then go from there. Awesome. So today we're going to talk about one of America's first serial killers, um, Herman Webster Midget, who better known as Dr. Henry Howard Holmes or H.H. Holmes. Um, And so I'm really excited to talk about him and and kind of what his story is and the, you know, facts and the false and all of that. Um, We're also going to talk about the Chicago World Fair a little bit with our local Chicago expert, my wonderful husband, Adam. Um, who's going to share that can't see you when you do that, but we can, so, uh, who's going to share some information. Fun fact, Adam, uh, won a prize for information about the Chicago World's Fair at the time, uh, was called the Chicago Columbian Exhibit or something. Yeah. World's Columbian Expo. Uh, yeah. So super excited about this topic. It's going to be really interesting. Don't want to say fun because people died, but interesting. Um, And then I have a little conspiracy theory at the end that we're going to throw in there. So off to Ange to share us some wacky world news. All right. So this one is actually from today uh, that I had sent to Amanda just scrolling through the interwebs. So the article is... A 2,000-year-old object found at Roman Fort in Northumberland in 1992 has been reassessed by archaeologists. Let me just see if I can share this because I feel like everyone needs to see this before I continue reading on what oh, it that's is. A dildo. Oh, that's a down. dildo right there. Yeah. <laughs> and we will share this to the uh, the Instagram about this beautiful picture. So what's this phallus made out of? Yes. So it is apparently after reassessing the uh, only known life-size Roman dildo, which was found in a ditch. <laughs> Somebody ditched that dick. (laughs) (laughs) It looks like it's made of wood, which then makes me think about the splinters. But did you see how smooth it was? Uh, I saw how ribbed it was. It's definitely ribbed. I can still see it. (laughs) A lot of lacquer on that thing. So the article continues to say, yeah, the article continues to say that if it was not used as a sexual implement, um, then it may have been a feature from a statue that people touch for good luck. Mm-hmm. I've heard yeah. that before. Yeah, that's the old that's not Rome. a that's not a rubber dick trick. When in Rome. Yeah. <laughs> but like wow. I mean, I guess if you put a lot of olive oil on it for lubrication, it probably isn't too bad. Extra virgin olive oil? <laughs> <laughs> I'm concerned about the the shape. That's doing some serious damage the way that thing works. Well, the article continues to say that while it is 16 centimeters long right now, they think it was probably larger 
because it is made of wood. So through the years, it might have been exposed to shrinkage. That happened. Like George Costanza. Yeah. Damn. But still, the, the cone shape. Can you imagine being the ar- archaeologist that found this? Oh, I'd love I'm that. So sorry. I'd say, hey, look at this dick I found. <laughs> you like try to explain it to museums. Like you can't even sell it to a museum, right? Because you're like, like, would it be part of like the sexual experiences of the room? I guess you could sell it to like the sex museum. Oh, that's right. You could do it in the sex museum, right? Yeah. I don't think they buy secondhand toys. Secondhand toys. <laughs> 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 or. Or it could be a torture device because there is speculation of a theory that it might have been used as a torture device and not as a sex story. So I think I mentioned this before when I was in Spain and we went to the torture museum, there were lots of things people were putting up people or in Mm -hmm. people. So, huh. That I definitely go with that considering the splinters. And the and the shape of it, because the way it's like conical shaped, I feel like it's like you better talk or I'm going to shove it in further, kind of thing, you know? Yeah, but why would the front have like a per- a perfect little head? <laughs> that way, perfect it, little mushroom. That way, it finds the spot right. I guess I don't know. <laughs> this is definitely not a Jewish uh, dildo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So besides that one, there are other two theories um, that it was used as a pestle in a mortar and pestle. And sure, sure. That's what I tell my mom things are for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And the third option is that it was meant to slot into a statue, which we already talked about for good luck, where they touch rub it for good luck. They like rub the statue's penis for good luck. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's hilarious. You know, instead of a Buddha belly rubbing for good luck, you just rub a Roman so guy's quite dick. It's small, though, right? Like now it is. Yeah. Like 16 centimeters. So that's only like, how big is that? Adam, come in here so I can verify what 16 centimeters looks like. I'm a grower, not a shower. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's 6.2 inches, 6.2 or 6.3 inches. That's average. Oh, that's that's okay. average. That's not bad. Yeah. Hold on, hold on. That's average. Here. About that. I mean, all right. Yeah, that's that's average. That doesn't seem too bad. That's nothing to you know write home about, but it's definitely you know. It's a little bit above average, right? I think six yeah. is average. I think some men would love. Some men would love to have oh. that size. <laughs> Our uh, listeners, y'all just have rulers right next to the desk for. for Apparently, Adam and I are missing out in the ruler thing because I don't even—I don't think we even have a ruler in this house. I'm sorry, I'm at my work desk, so I have everything. Adam, you have a ruler. You are the ruler. Well, I mean, we have a queen, but uh, I don't think we have a same thing face ruler. We know who rules the household. It's summer. Summer. Did I have a roller her? and nipple clips. Oh. <laughs> we got those too, don't you worry. <laughs> well, I mean, well, good for the Romans. Hey, yeah, it all I starts mean, somewhere, right? We all know they were very sexual. Yeah. And, you know, like, I think it shows that kinkiness is not a new mm-hmm. thing. No. 
Yeah, don't kink, don't kink shame them. No, no. never, never. All right, well, let's start What's, talking about a. Uh, real quick, uh, we're going to remind our listeners to write and review on your podcast platform of choice. I'll probably mention it again. But it can't be said enough. It's really important. Doesn't take much to go in there and hit us a like, a uh, review. Um, it helps us out a lot. Um, we also have listener support added to our Spotify now. So if you love us and you want to show us, there's a way to do it. Um, also, for that, the same goes for that. Be glad to send some stickers. Whoever uh, decides to like us, review us, and also support us. Um, so please, 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 can't ask enough. Give us some likes. Give us some reviews. Thank you. Yeah. Follow us on our Instagram. We have made it a little bit more active now that I've learned how to do things on it. So super exciting. And now I have stickers too. So I'm going to go around tagging stuff. Love it. Um, I'm not going to lie. Usually I'm the one that's like listening. So I usually like also do like Instagram stuff while we're talking about the episode. And I'm like, shit, I'm the one presenting this week. So I'll have to add our Instagram stuff after I present. <laughs> I'll make note of it. Don't worry. Yeah. Remind me. Cause we know I'll forget. So, um, cool, 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 cool. All right, friends. Well, let's get to talking about one of America's first serial killers, H.H. Holmes. So H.H. Holmes uh, was an American con artist and serial killer, and he was a subject to more than 50 lawsuits in Chicago alone. That doesn't include other places he lived, like Texas, Pennsylvania, New Hampshire, Denver. Like, this man got around. Uh, Until his execution in 1896, he chose a career of crime, including lots of insurance fraud. He knew how to fraud the insurance people. Swindling, checking, check forging, and then he also really enjoyed getting married, but not getting divorced. So, we'll talk a little bit about that. Getting wait, 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 because I am reading the book. Yeah, yeah, the Devil in Lloyd City, and um, yeah, I just read that part today about him promising one of the ladies that he would get married and. Mm. That never came true. Yep. He likes that promise uh, a lot. So Took out life insurance policies on him and then collected. Yeah. Yep. In smart ways. Um, so we're also going to, like I said before, chat about the um, Chicago World Columbian Ex- Ex- Exposition. Is that what it was, Adam? And then um, why this was a perfect place for Holmes to collect his his victims, we'll say. Um, and then also our final kind of conversation is we are going to chat if there is a theory out there if H.H. Uh, H. Holmes and Jack the Ripper are the same people. So I'm going to share my case and hear what you guys have to say. All right. <clears throat> Let's get started. So Holmes was born Herman Webster Mudgett. And Gilmanton, New Hampshire in 19 in 1861. Sorry. Um, he was born to Levi and Theodette Mudgett. I like that name, Theodette. Uh, who were both like immigrants from England, you know, doing their thing. Um, he had an older sister, an older brother, and a younger sister, and a younger brother. His dad was a farmer. And, you know, for all sense of things, he actually had a really pretty 
normal childhood childhood um although some people try to find ways to get him to fit into like the patterns of modern serial killers such as torturing animals or having like an abusive parent he didn't have any of that he was just like pretty normal childhood middle kid of of six or five sorry um so you know living the living the cool life um Oh, I also want to say I got my uh, research from uh, it's like crime, uh, serial killers, something. Um, I watched a documentary about A.J. Holmes, which was terrible on Hulu. Um, I did read Devil in the White City, but I do think that that actually is a lot more fiction than truth based on other things I've read. Um, and then there's an interesting uh, website, too, and I can post all that in our thing. So, uh, okay. At 16, Holmes married Clara Lovering, and they had one son named Robert. Um, and around this time, he enrolled in the University of, Der- of Vermont, but was unsatisfied with the school and left after one year. Two years later, he tried his hand again at university life and enrolled in the University of Michigan's Department of Medicine and Surgery and graduated in June 1884 after passing his exams. So he has a degree in medical surgery, all of that. So keep that in mind as we talk about, like, his victims and the crimes and stuff he committed, is, like, he knew a lot about medicine. During this time, while he was enrolled, he worked in an an anatomy lab um, and is said to have engaged in facilitating grave robbing to supply medical cadavers with different people um particularly the head of the anatomy lab so he learned how to do all of that from a very young age and he learned the that through grave robbing you were able to kind of you know do pick up bodies and then you could like use them for insurance fraud all of that stuff years later oh oh, sorry no i just wanted to add during that time wasn't that like a big huge thing everyone was getting into medicine so they there weren't enough bodies for them to actually perform autopsies and teach the students so that's an important fact came from make note of yeah the what the odd fellow odd fellows yeah and grave robbing was huge at this time so remember that there was like People would ring a bell in case they were buried and they weren't dead. And like, it was, it was sometimes a profession to be a grave robber, right? That's how you made money. It was really big at this time to be a grave robber. And a lot of that was you were robbing like people who were buried with wealth. So you were trying to get their diamonds or whatever, or you were trying to get the cadavers to sell body parts, things like that. Um, Years later, when Holmes was suspected of murder, he claimed it to be nothing but a, an insurance frauder and said he just used the cadavers to defraud the insurance companies. So kind of interesting. Adam, you want to add anything there or are we still good? Uh, yeah, he would dissect the bodies and sell the skeletons to uh, medical uh, areas and let people study it. Um, he'd also use that on his victims. He would take them apart and sell their parts to places for money and um yeah textbook yeah. serial killer so during this time housemates would describe Holmes as treating clara violent, violently 
And before his graduation, she actually moved back to New Hampshire and later wrote that she knew little of him afterwards. So it seems like they kind of were only married for like two-ish, three-ish years. And she was like, this guy's crazy and moved back. Um, He moved on to New York um, where he was seen with a little boy who eventually disappeared. He claimed that the boy went back to Massachusetts. Massachusetts, um, but no investigation was ever took place. And then Holmes quickly left town after being asked. Um, and it's believed this may have been one of Holmes' first murders. Later that year, he moved to Philadelphia and got a job at a drugstore there. Uh, while he was working there, another boy died after taking medicine that was purchased from the drugstore. Holmes denied any involvement in the death of the child, but immediately left the city and um, And right before he did, he changed his name to Henry Howard Holmes with the um, possibility to be avoid being exposed for his previous crimes. So, yeah. So it didn't just start in Chicago. He definitely was doing some shady shit before. In 1886, while still married to Clara, Holmes married Myretta Belknap. Uh, he did file for divorce from Clara after a few weeks of marrying Myretta. So he already married Myretta, but then he was like, oh shit, Clara. So he filed for divorce from her, um, but the claim was never proven. It like never went anywhere. Oh, and he, his claimant for divorce on Clara was infidelity on Clara's part. Although he was already like married. So he could cry. Um, the paperwork never like really like went anywhere and it's believed that she actually never even was served the divorce papers. So in any case, the divorce was never finalized. It was dismissed in 1891. Um, and then thus Holmes becomes a bigamist. So he's now married to two women. I want you to keep track of how many women. Holmes bigamist or polygamist? Bigamist because it's only two. Okay. Yes. So Holmes and uh, Myretta uh, arrive in Chicago in August 1886, uh, which is when he starts to use the name H.H. Holmes. Um, He does have a child with Myretta. uh, I don't have her name. I don't remember what it was. It was like Lily or something. Um, And we really don't hear much about Myretta after that. So my assume is she probably did the same thing that Clara did and was like, peace the fuck out to this crazy bat. At the time they were in Chicago, he came across a drugstore called the Holton's Drugstore, uh, where he got a job and he proved to be a hardworking employee. He actually even was able to purchase the store from the Holton's. Um, And then he purchased an empty lot across from the drugstore, which is where he began to build a two-story kind of mixed-use building with apartments on the second floor and retail space on the first floor, including a new drugstore. How many drugstores do people need? I mean, it was the 1800s, so a lot. That's true. They well, needed to sell their propane. And, Wa- and Walgreens are always across the street from each other. Yeah. So. Their drugstores um, were different. You could get like a mixture of heroin, <laughs> marijuana, exactly. and alcohol all in one. And that was uh, called a Coca Cola. <laughs> <laughs> With your mixed spoon. Right. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, I forgot about the mixed spoon. Well, that's that's why those drinks were invented. They were actually invented as a means to take these drugs more pleasantly. Apparently, they didn't taste very good, which shocker. Um, but these people invented these uh, syrupy, sugary drinks so you could take your super drug elixir uh, better. So you could be walk walking around fucked up all the time and tasting good. Ah, oh, the good old days. Um, so in 1892, he did add a third floor to his built mixed use building, telling investors and suppliers that he intended to use it as a hotel with the upcoming uh, World's Clubbing Exposition of 1893. Um, though the hotel portion actually was never completed, it did have three stories and a basement, um, and that ground floor was a storefront. So it kind of worked, but he never really actually, it wasn't really actually a hotel. So the people who actually stayed there were folks he kind of lured in or like knew or met, um, not just like randomly showed up. So I wanted to take a minute um, before we talk about the guest in the hotel to have Adam share a little bit about the World's Columbian Expo. So the World's Columbian Expo, which ha- which has since been rebranded to the World's Columbian Fair or the World Fair, um, it was hosted in Chicago in 1893. Um, the it, it was a way for Chicago to show we're back on the map because if you all remember your history, 1890 set or 1871 was the Great Chicago Fire, where the majority of Chicago all burned down and takes a while to rebuild. So this was Chicago's way of going, Hey, we're back. We are rebuilt. Let's show the world because back then, um, obviously didn't have the internet. So uh, the newspapers, anyone who hosts the Columbian expo would be front page news. So the Columbian expo had the first Ferris wheel ever. Um, it was the first one actually lit by electricity. That's why it's called devil in the white city. Because the city was illuminated by so many light bulbs, it they called it the White City for how bright it was. Because that was a whole new thing. It blew people's minds to see electricity. I mean, you're talking about farmers and stuff to go there and see all this. Um, was real. It was really a show of power for Chicago to show their back, show they are you know an epicenter of the United States, and you know try and get people back to visit. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I can now see why you got a A plus on that project. So yeah. I tried and it wouldn't let me because you were re-recording. You pointed your face right at the mic. You went like this, like like, this is going to stop you. Like, no, no, I tried to like push the mute and it wouldn't. I'm just so gassy. (laughs) I think that needs to stay in the recording. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, loop them all at the end. It'll be a remix of Amanda's burps throughout the episode. And then it'll be, at the end, we'll say, "I'm just so gassy." Should yeah. use that yeah. like future recordings and stuff as like a uh, go back to it. Like, just so gassy. I put it on the. I I put it on the soundboard. I'll just hit it. Exactly. <laughs> No, it's going to turn into a drinking game. Man, that needs to be in as opposed. How many times is Amanda burp per episode? Everyone does take a drink. Um, Ant Man on 
Saturday, Adam. And yep. one of the, I don't know if you guys have seen there's a new Fast and Furious uh, movie the coming final out. one. I don't even know it's the final. Yeah, Allegedly. Right. It'll never be the end. But I said to Adam, I was like, oh, man, we should play a drinking game. Every time they say the word family, you have to drink. In the, like, five minute, ten, I don't know how long, whatever. They, two minutes. Two minutes. Two they, minutes at they most. They said it how many, 11 times, Adam? Seven. Seven times they said family. Just, in, like, the, just in the trailer. <laughs> That's what it's about, family. Yeah, someone Drink. someone did the math and said that um, what's what's the dude's name in uh, Vin Diesel's character? What's his name in it? Family. <laughs> yeah, no. family. family. Dom. Dom. Ta- yeah. Dom Toretto. That's Dom. right. They ran the math and figured that he is the strongest human being alive. They like <laughs> how, how, in the trailer how easily he lifted one of these. Like he he lifted an engine with his bare hands. They did the math and like how heavy the engine is it's like seven thousand pounds he lifted like it's nothing so they ran the math like yeah he is without a doubt the strongest human being on earth well you know he's he's only like five two he's really short vin diesel yeah, yeah. he's a short man no yeah yeah he wears like stilts and they project the video in a certain way so it doesn't yeah he's like super short listen no, everybody's they say keywords 511. no they 511. say that yeah. He's but no way he's 5'11. Maybe he threatened their families if they told the real truth. <laughs> he says he's going to sick his family. It's all about family. Sick his family on his, their family. Yeah, but look at him compared to The Rock. There's more than five inches. The Rock is huge. He was a football player. Or, I no, know, but I'm, he almost like, became a football player. If you're, if you're saying Vin Diesel's 5'11, The Rock's 6'5. The Rock is 6'5". How tall is Dwayne Johnson? 6'5". Yeah, but like looking at pictures, he looks uh, almost a foot taller than him. Let's see. We are going down the rabbit hole right now. I would love a Roman artifact found emulating The Rock if you catch my drift. That's a different kind of rock. Yeah, I don't think Vin Diesel's 5'2". Like, he's definitely taller than you think. Alright, so compared to Jason Statham, who is an inch shorter than Vin Diesel? Wait, Jason Statham is? Yes. So? I'm just saying for height comparison. Oh, does okay. he really look like he's five ten? I mean, or does he look significantly taller than Vin Diesel? I mean, with what they can do with cameras nowadays, like look at Elf, the uh, forced perspective, they can make you look as tall or as short as you want. They they make Tom Cruise look like a normal sized human being. That's true, and he's he's he one of very those true. Nestle Elves people. He like builds shoes on a tree. That's how they make us believe the Earth's not round. Flat Earth. That sun <laughs> I mean, the Earth's not flat. is not equal or equivalent size of the Earth. The sun, I, yeah. I think I almost got Robin believing it that the Earth's flat. No! 
So yeah, I like, so where I like do to I relax. report that I think you're doing child abuse to your child if you're going to make her oh, believe that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't do that. She's not around when I talk about that. Because I don't yeah, want. You're going to get Robin believing it. And then she's going to go into school and she's going to say, my daddy says the earth's flat. Isn't there an HBO yeah. special right now? It, there's two really good documentaries. Of- you know which one I'm talking about, Chris? The the kid with the curly hair that walks around with the mic? I think so. I, I know the ones I know is level and I think it's level two and they check those out. They're like really good documentaries on it. It's Are these level. on your like favorite website that you always try to get me to read and I refuse to? Hibbler, the guy, this guy named Hibbler did both of them, but the, um, you know, Eddie Bravo, the uh, MMA, well, no, I wish I knew him personally. Oh, yeah. He's a really, he's a really big He's Johnny Bravo's brother. (laughs) He's a jujitsu guy and comedian. And he, um, he, he's a really big flat earther. I'm telling you. There's some, there's some truth to it. I, I it's worth looking into. I'll say that. Nope. I'm not full wholeheartedly nope. believe it. No, there watch isn't. those, watch those two documentaries and then tell me. So Amanda knows that I like to unwind. My thing is I like to play video games. So my game is Call of Duty, and I play with some people and we get into some spirited discussions. We we sometimes talk politics, which I love to do, but. We sometimes discuss science and other things. Yes, go figure on this game. So one of the guys I was playing with, he was discussing because, you know, he's big, big conspiracy theories about a theorist. He's all about how these pharmacies and pharmaceutical companies are lying to us so that we take medicine that we don't need. And they're like, all the stuff about chemical imbalances in your brain is all bullshit. And I'm like, I mean, to an extent, yes. But I explained my situation about how I... And, you know, went and sought help for my, um, (laughs) no, uh, I did. I did tell him about that. Um, But uh, going back to it, you know, I dealt with my own anxiety and depression through medication and it helped. It really did help. So we we had a good hour long discussion about this. I'm like, you can't just discount people because you think that. And then he's like, mention something about the flat earth. I'm like, no, no, we are. We, when we start discussing whether or not facts are facts, that's what I'm going to walk away in this conversation. He starts to try and really push it. I'm like, dude, no, this was proven thousands of years ago with a very simple experiment that the earth is in fact round. So or let me ask equal you this. A greater size to the sun. <laughs> so let me, let me ask you this. So given the P- uh, Pythagorean theorem, right? For the curvature of the earth. Right. Oh, that's not. That's um for the uh, dimensions of a triangle. In a right triangle, well, the sum of the squares and the lengths of the legs is equal to the square of the length hypotenuse. Right. Then that'll give you. That should give you the curve, right? Uh no, that'll give you the triangle. Uh, that's not. It's a different theorem that gives you the. Oh, I'm sorry. You're, I'm sorry. That gives you. The, that's how they figure. I'm sorry. You're right. That's how they figured out the diameter of the Earth because they figured out that they figured that out to get the diameter. They came pretty accurate thousands of years ago. Yeah. Right. So given that they were able to figure out the curvature of the earth, and I can't remember the theorem for that part of it, but they were able to figure out the curvature with that, mm-hmm. not off the, but using that data to get the curvature. So given the curvature, they figured out that it's every mile, the earth curves eight inches, right? 
So that means if you're, I don't know, on the ocean and you look out and see a boat that is 10 miles away, it should be, you should see 80 inches from where the bottom of the boat is in the water to another point of the boat, whatever, whatever's 80 inches above the water. Right. I mean, I guess, but because it's going over the curve because it would be on the other side of the curve. Right. Well, by that logic. So if you're in Chicago, yes, throwing a plug for my great city. Um, you can look across the, uh, Lake Michigan and there are certain buildings you can see and certain buildings you can't see because the curve, if it was flat, you'd be able to see everything clear as day right across. And, but, and, and this is what about all the other planets? Why is everything else round? It's we're talking gravity, about gravity Earth. as a force pulls everything towards the center, causes it. We're getting past, we're getting past Earth. We're still trying to figure out Earth's still flat. So if I'm standing it's at that not. point and you're talking about seeing those cities, if I have like a Nikon P100, I think it's the type of camera that can zoom like crazy far. Uh huh. How come, how come I can zoom in and see all those buildings and they're able to prove that? Because you won't see all of them. You, you may be able I, to see some of them. Um, they've proved go it. Like, trip, go, take, go take a trip to Chicago and go, go try and recreate Illinois that. is a flat land. It's the flattest they've shown it with the. They've shown it with the camera that zooms and they're zooming it perpetually and it zooms right into the buildings. All the buildings. I'm telling okay. you, watch that documentary. So you're right. And they so proved it hundreds of years ago that it was deep. flat because they did it on the English. I think it's. Just, they did not prove that it was flat. I assure you. The uh, they proved it was round thousands of years ago through a simple. Well, I'm saying not they, him, they but took, other people. They took they took two cities and they had two people record the shadows at two different cities at the same time in two different areas, hundreds of miles apart. Well, in one city, this the. Uh, shadow was far away from buildings. It was going on an angle. And then in another city, there was no shadows. And that's because the earth was curved at the time. It was proven thousands of years ago. It's a very simple. I wish we were a bigger podcast than we were because I know I would love, because there's so many counters to everything you're bringing up that these guys would like destroy it. But unfortunately, we're not talking about that, this topic. Correct. Let me just throw one one fun fact in. We're done. Uh, one more. Shut it down. One more, because you you can edit this. Um, oh, it's not going in, Chris. None of this is going in. <laughs> Neil deGrasse Tyson talked about how how perfect of a sphere oh, I'm done. the Earth I'm is. I'm done. Fuck he Neil is, deGrasse Tyson. He's a fucking shill. I'm done. A shill. Okay. Anyway, if you were to scale the Earth down to the size of a cue ball, like you would play pool with. It would be smoother than the cue ball because of how giant the earth is. The difference between the highest point and the lowest point, Mount Everest and the Marianas Trench is about 10 miles difference. If you were to shrink that down over the core, over, over what, what's our diameter? 5,000 miles or something. It would be smoother than the smoothest object we've ever created. Fun fact. I was on board. Until you mentioned Neil deGrasse Tyson. Why facts and science annoy you? Anyway, back to the. <laughs> no, I wish I, I, I wasn't prepared for flat earth. Otherwise he's, he's, uh, I don't get me started on that dude. But anyway, back to the topic we're at hand. 
So Adam just gave a lovely recap of the World's Columbian Expo. So some fictionalized accounts report that Holmes constructed the hotel in hopes to lure tourists visiting the nearby World's Expo in order to murder them and then sell their skeletons to medical schools. There is actually no evidence that supports this, especially because uh, Holmes actually knew all of his victims. They were not strangers to him. They were not people that he just randomly met in the street. He knew them all. He did have a history of selling cadavers to medical schools, um, but many of those he acquired through grave robbing rather than his murders. So, Holmes' building was named Murder Castle, obviously after the murders were found and everything like that. It was claimed to be a structure that contained secret torture chambers, trap doors, gas chambers, and a basement crematorium. But none of this was true. Other accounts claim that the hotel was made up of over 100 rooms and laid out like a maze with doors opening to brick walls, windowless rooms, dead in staircases. Again, not true. In reality, the hotel floor was moderately sized and largely unremarkable. It did contain some hidden rooms, but they were mostly used for hiding furniture that Holmes bought on credit and had no intention to pay for. The hotel was gutted when a fire started by an unknown person shortly after Holmes was arrested and was rebuilt and used as a post office until 1938. Besides his infamous murder castle, Holmes also owned a one-story factory, which he claimed to use for glass bending. It is unsure if the factory furnace was actually used for glass bending or if it is where Holmes destroyed evidence for his murders. I mean, it makes sense. They, he supposedly used the uh, acid baths to dissolve bodies and stuff, but... So I think that a lot of what we assume about him and what fiction has told us about Holmes is not as truthful. We've made him to be even more of a villain than he really was. He was still a terrible, terrible dude, um, but we made it a little bit more villainous. So one of Holmes' early victims was his mistress, Julia Smythe. She was the wife of a man who had moved into Holmes's building and began working at his pharmacy uh, at, at the jewelry counter. After Smythe's uh, husband found out about the affair with Holmes, he quit, the husband quit his job and moved away, leaving Smythe and her daughter Pearl behind to live with Holmes. Smythe gained custody of Pearl and remained in the hotel, continuing her relationship with Holmes. I think this is the marriage you were talking about, Angela, that he was like, saying was going to happen and it never really did. Yep. Um. Julia and Pearl both disappeared on Christmas Eve of 1891, and Holmes later claimed that she died from, a, from an illegal abortion, which despite his medical background, Holmes was probably unlikely to have carried out abortions before, and mortality rates from such procedures were really high at the time. So uh, it was kind of like, oh, okay, that happened. Um, Holmes claimed to have poisoned Pearl to hide the circumstances of her mother's death, a partial skeleton, possibly of Pearl, was found when excavating the cellar of Holmes. Um, and then Pearl's father, Ned, was actually one of the key witnesses in Holmes's trial in Chicago. His next victim was Emmeline or Emmeline uh, Chagrande, who began working in Holmes's building in 
1892 and disappeared that December. Rumors again followed her disappearance that she had probably gotten pregnant by Holmes and then was another victim of a failed abortion. Um, And then there was another young girl who worked for Holmes in his building named Emily Van Tassel, who also vanished, quote unquote. In 1893, a one-time actress named Minnie Williams moved to Chicago, where she apparently met Holmes at an employment office, and there were rumors, uh, sorry, and he offered her a job at the hotel as his personal stenographer, uh, which she accepted. Holmes persuaded Williams to transfer the deed of some property in Fort Worth, Texas, to a man named uh, Alexander Bond, which was an, an alias of Holmes. He had lots of aliases, by the way. So it must have been really easy to make aliases in the 1800s. I don't know. Yeah, there's no like formal way of identifying yourself. You know, there's not like licenses and things like that. You pretty much took everybody on their word. All right. So call back, call call back to one of our wacky world news. Do you think he would have forged documents to get back into high school? Oh, well, if he was allowed to kill people, probably. So in April 1893, Williams transferred the deeds of that property. And within the next month, uh, Holmes and Williams were presenting themselves as to be husband and wife. They rented an apartment in Chicago's Lincoln Park. Um, And Minnie's sister, Annie, came to visit where in July, she wrote a letter to her aunt saying that she had planned to accompany brother Harry to Europe. But neither Minnie nor Annie were ever seen alive again uh, in, after July 5th, 1893. So I assume they probably did not uh, accompany Brother Harry to Europe. That's fun because I didn't know that. Um, I haven't gotten to that part in the book yet, but I was just at Lincoln Park over the day or over the weekend. Yeah. Lincoln Went Park. to Chicago Pizza and Oven Grinder, which is allegedly uh, part of Al Capone's racket. Interesting. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Good pizza, or good pot pie pizza. Uh, So although not proven, Holmes was suspected of killing six other people who vanished between 1891 and 1895. Dr. Ressler, who had an office in the castle, went missing in 1992. Kitty Kelly, another stenographer for Holmes, went missing in 1892 also. Dr. John, or sorry, uh, John G. Davis, who uh, was visiting the World's Fair in 1893, vanished. Henry Walker, who went missing in November 1893, was alleged to have insured his life to Holmes for $20,000. Wrote to friends that he was working for homes in Chicago, and then they never heard from him again. Milford Cole also allegedly disappeared after receiving a telegraph from Holmes to come to Chicago and explore this wonderful city. And an otherwise unknown victim was Lucy Burbank, and they only know that she was a they think she was a victim because her bank book was found in the castle in 1895. So, um, like I mentioned, there was an arson, and uh, the insurance company was going to prosecute him for the arson. So, Holmes left Chicago in July 1894, and he reappeared in Fort Worth, Texas, in the property that he had inherited from the Williams sisters. 
Uh, once again, he tried to build an um, incomplete structure without paying his suppliers and contractors. Um, but this building never really went anywhere and there weren't any killings that happened there. In July 1894, Holmes was arrested and briefly jailed. Um, this was on selling mortgage goods in St. Louis. So he got around. He definitely didn't stay in one place. Um, and he was in St. Louis for a while. While he was there, he met a young attorney named Jebitha Howe. Um, and he, Howe thought that Holmes and his schemes were like brilliant. And he agreed to be a part of, of Holmes. I don't think he knew about the murder, but I think he definitely knew about the like insurance swindling and insurance, insurance fraud and everything. Um, he wanted to get up in that cheddar. So he yeah. found out about the murders. So Holmes concocted a plan to swindle an insurance company out of $10,000 by taking out a policy on himself and then faking his own death. And he promised um, a guy that he met in prison $500 of that in exchange for a lawyer he could trust. So that's how he met Hal. Hal really liked that. Nevertheless, his plan actually didn't work because the insurance company became suspicious and refused to pay him, obviously, because he was still alive. He didn't pr uh, press the claim, but he instead he decided to concoct this plan with a friend of his um, that he had met while he was in Chicago. So while working at a chemical bank in Chicago, Holmes met and became close friends with a man named Benjamin Piazzel, who was a carpenter with a criminal past who was exhibiting in the same building. A coal bin, um, which was like a coal bin he had invented and he was showing at the exhibit. Um, Holmes used Piazzel as his right-hand man for several criminal schemes, and a district attorney later described Piazzel as Holmes's tool, his creature. Piazzel's a really important part of the H.H. H. Holmes story because Holmes really kind of turns on Piazzel and manipulates him in many ways. So one of the first ways is Holmes uh, gets Piazzel to agree to fake his own death so that his wife could collect a $10,000 life insurance policy, which then she was to split with Holmes and Hal, so a three-way split. The scheme was to take place in Philadelphia, and it called for Piazzel to set himself up as an inventor with a new name of B.F. Perry, and then be killed and disfigured in a lab explosion. Holmes was going to find an appropriate cadaver, you know, all the things that to make it seem realistic without Piesel having to die. However, instead of doing that, Holmes killed Piesel by knocking him unconscious with chloroform and then setting his body on fire using benzene. In his confession, Holmes actually stated that he implied Piesel to stay to still be alive when he used the chloroform on him and then set him up on fire. But forensic evidence showed that Holmes actually used the chloroform after he had killed Piazzol. So it was like a double thing, probably to assume to fake suicide so that Holmes could be exonerated for charge of murder. Wow, that's more. that's fascinating. What I don't know how that would is like assume suicide if he did the chloroform after. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know. That doesn't add up. Um, like the family guy quote, and that is why I killed myself, chopped myself up, and threw myself in the garbage. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, if he was in, if it was supposed to be a lab explosion, if he was familiar like working in a lab, that would explain why a little bit. Yeah. 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 Okay. And also, uh, I posted in the chat. Um, so $10,000 to the listeners here uh, for a conversion to today's dollars in 2023 from 1893, that is $330,000. So when we're talking 10000 it's actually 300000 equivalent dollars today. So that was a lot of money back then that he was trying to defraud. Um, so he was not going for, you know, simple dimes and cents. He was going for <laughs> mansion money. Wow. I'd still think $10,000 is a lot of money. I'll take that any day. Yeah. Thank you, Adam. Um, so Holmes did collect that $10,000 insurance payout um, because the Piazza's corpse is real. Like, he really did die. Um he then went on to manipulate Pietzel's unsuspecting wife into allowing three of her five children, Alice, Nellie, and Howard, to be placed in his custody. I do not know how he went about and said to this woman, look, of your five children, three of them should live with me. Yeah, that's a hard sell. So the eldest, her eldest daughter and their baby remained with Miss Pietzel. But Holmes and the three Piezel children traveled throughout the northern United States and into, into Canada. Um, simultaneously, he did escort Miss Piezel along a parallel route, so she would sometimes come with them. Um, he would use various aliases and you know would make up lies about her husband's death, claiming that like he really didn't die; he's actually hiding in London. Um, and he also would lie to her about like the whereabouts of her children and be like, oh, they're just down the street, like things like that. Um, even more audacious is Holmes uh, was staying, would say in like another location with his wife, um, who was unaware of the whole thing, had no idea about the three children, had no idea about um, everything going on. With- Which wife are we on at this point? Um, this would be, is it still Myrta or no? Well, good point, Ange. No. So he, I actually did not tell you this part, but he, Holmes married Georgiana Yoke in 1994 in Denver, Colorado. Now he's still married to Clara and Myrta. So he is now officially a polygamist. So. So this must have been Georgiana that was with him. Um, Holmes later. Georgiana or Georginia? Uh, Georginia. Sorry. Yep. Georginia. Sorry. No, I appreciate that. Is it Georgina? No, it's Ginia. Hey, those names were weird back then. No, I think it's. I, I don't know. If that's your name, tell us how to say it. And I'll get it correct next time. <laughs> Like Edith? Uh, yeah, like Edith. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Uh, so Holmes later did confess to murdering Alice and Nellie. Um, and this, I think, is so sick. So he forced them into a large trunk and locked them inside. He then drilled a hole in the lid of the trunk and put one end, a hose, through the hole 
attach the other end of the hose to a gas line, a gas line, and asphyxiated the girls. He then buried their nude bodies in a cellar of a rental house he was renting in Toronto. So my my biggest fear. Well, right. Like that's terrible. Sounds awful. But my other question is like, why were they naked? Like, did other things occur to these girls that we weren't like they didn't test for back then, right? Probably. It's it's definitely possible. I mean, how how old were these? Um, I do not know how old they were. Ange, uh, let's check. What were the names again? Alice and what? Alice and Nellie Pietzel. Oh, it looks like Alice was 14 and Nellie was 12. Okay, so that's not his typical type no, in a no. sense. It definitely is not. He definitely was with her older women. Not older, but like 20s. So that was really young. I don't know. Um, they didn't really go. He doesn't really share why he killed them, but I don't know if they just got annoying or, or what. So there was a police detective in Philadelphia who kind of caught on to what Holmes was doing, and he was like, "This guy, there's something up with this guy." So he ended up investigating Holmes, and Willie wanted to find the three missing children. So he went to Toronto and he found in the home that home, the Holmes rented the decomposed bodies of the Pietzel girls. He said in a quote, the deeper we dug, the more horrible, horrible the odor became. And when we reached the depth of three feet, we discovered what appeared to be the bone of a forearm of a human being. Um, so Geyer then went to Indianapolis where Holmes rented a cottage. Um, and you know was kind of following following him there, and uh, Holmes are reported to have visited a local pharmacy where he purchased drugs that they believe was used to kill young Howard Pietzel, and then a repair shop to sharpen his knives, which was used to chop up the body before he burned Howard. The boy's teeth and bits of bones were discovered in the chimney of the cottage that Holmes rented. So not only did he kill yeah. the the sisters he then took the boy with him to another place and then killed the boy and we don't know how much torture happened in between all of this if it did but i would assume it did so holmes's murder spree finally ended when he was arrested in boston in 1894 he was held on an outstanding warrant for horse theft in texas and authorities had become more suspicious of him and they were worried that he would flee the country um, so, uh, they, they wanted to make sure that he had done that, that they arrested him in July, uh, 1895, following the discovery of Alice and Nellie's bodies, Chicago police and reporters began investigating his home in Inglewood, the murder castle. Um, though many sensational claims were made, new evidence was found that could have convicted homes in Chicago. Uh, although there were stories of torture equipment found in the building, et cetera, that's actually all fiction. So they never found like torture devices in the building, none of that. In October 1895, Holmes was put on trial for the murder of Benjamin Pietzel and was found guilty and sentenced to death. By then, it was evidence that Ho- it was evident that Holmes had also murdered the three Pietzel children. 
Following his conviction, Holmes confessed to 27 murders in Chicago, Indianapolis, and Toronto. Though some people he confessed to murdering were actually still alive. So uh, that's kind of hard. Um, and then, of course, six attempted murders, which didn't happen. He was paid uh, $7,500 by the Hertz newspaper in exchange for his confession, which after they did it, they found out was mostly nonsense. So he actually just lied for the $7,500. But that <laughs> made me think about, like, why, if you were to be paid $7,500, which is probably a good amount of money now that we know the conversion rate, right? But you're sentenced to death. How are you going to use it? Was he like, doesn't he matter. It out? Doesn't matter. Is that you said? Yeah. I mean, because look at all the debt he had built up. Like, he wasn't paying it. So, like, what was the whole point of all the insurance fraud and everything else? I mean, if someone's offering to pay him money, why wouldn't you take it? Yeah, it's never enough, especially for like a lifetime fraudster. That's just his bread and butter. He's like, let's just defraud people and get more money and. Uh, yeah. seventy five hundred bucks is two hundred and fifty thousand today. All right, well, that makes sense. A lot of cheddar. Um, so on May seventh, eighteen ninety six, Holmes was hung at the Philadelphia County Prison for the murder of the Pietzels. Until that moment of his death, Holmes remained calm, amiable, had no signs of fear, anxiety, or depression. He did ask for his coffin to be to contain cement and be buried 10 feet deep because he was concerned of grave robbers to steal his body and use for medical science. So I guess we're all worried that's about the, the crimes we commit. Hot kettle yeah, black. Yeah, that's what I was going <laughs> to say. <laughs> um, so interesting fact, his neck did not break. Um, instead, he actually was strangled slowly and twitched for over 15 minutes before being pronounced dead 20 minutes later. Um, which Honestly, I Got feel what like he deserves. A, what a great way. Like, glad you died that way because I think he should have been put in a trunk, a trunk, and then a hole and a gas thing. But that's just my thought. Or yeah. just poured cement while he was still alive into this yeah. casket that he wanted buried. Even yeah. better. Yep. Okay, eye for an eye makes the world blind. Guillotine was 100% effective, quick, straight to the point, and it was visually like. Got the point. It wasn't actually a hundred percent effective though, because sometimes it wasn't as no sharp as it should have been. The guillotine, yeah, hundred percent. But they like still didn't cut all the muscles. Should double check that. As far as I remember, the guillotine was a hundred percent kill rate. Angela, the blade weighs like five hundred pounds. Even if it's not sharp, the blunt force of that thing falling is going to shatter your entire neck. Adam, would you like me to check that on you later? Hey, now it's now though. we have evidence. <laughs> a joke with Amanda that I'm gonna have that I have an independent autopsy ready. Uh, should I die? Ugh, Under mysterious circumstances. I was gonna say it depends you what it your was... life insurance look like. Not with this new job, really good. So <laughs> uh, keep Chris keep this in case of emergency. Wink, wink, hint, hint. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> So the um, murder castle actually was around for a while. Um, the with the death of the castle's caretaker um, in 
That's so funny that they say that wasn't true because that's like what most people think of when they think of H.H. Yeah. Holmes is that murder castle and the different like horror house type contraptions it had going on in it. Yeah, it wasn't true. They said that uh, apparently the caretaker did commit suicide. Um, he said he just couldn't sleep because of all the hauntings of the things that had happened in there. Um, and then in 1895, the castle itself was gutted by a fire. So that's when they went in and um, then um, this is interesting too. think about like Holmes's background. So according to a newspaper clipping of New York times, two men were seen entering the back of the building uh, between eight to 9 PM. About a half an hour later, they were exiting the building, ran away rapidly. And then there were several explosions and the castle went up in flames. Afterwards, investigators found an empty, half-empty gas can underneath the back steps of the building. The building survived the fire and remained in use until it was torn down in, 18, in 1938. Um, it is currently occupied by the Inglewood branch of the United States Postal Office. So it's now a post. A post That's why my mail was always late. Yeah, right. Yeah, apparently it was just a, a normal... Uh, normal building it didn't have all the hidden it had hidden rooms but they weren't used for what we were told i think one of the reasons that we have all these like scenarios or thoughts is because you know at the time serial killing and that kind of stuff was not as talked about or shared and i think people fictionized is that the word fantasized or made it more fiction than it really was yeah i think what it was is that they heard about the horrible things that happened in there. And then they just thought about elaborate ways that it took place. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, in 2017, there had been some allegations that Holmes actually escaped his execution. Um, and that he really didn't die. So in 2017, his body was exhumed, uh, and tested. And then, um, which was actually really cool because due to his coffin being, um, contained in cement his body had not decomposed like a normal person so his like clothes were almost perfectly preserved his mustache was actually still intact so um mm. i'll share a picture but he has like a really cool little like pencil mustache um and so obviously his uh body was positively identified by his teeth that he was Holmes, and then he was reburied um Probably not again in cement. I assume that we don't really do that anymore because people don't really do grave robbing anymore. But yeah. So that is my story about H.H. Holmes. I do have our fun talk about him being Jack the Ripper, but I wanted to see if anybody wanted to add anything on before we get into that conversation. So what were the ways that he, we know that he killed people? Because I've read stories about some of these, uh, he could asphyxiate people in rooms. They were soundproof. Um, he may not have gone in and gone hostile on them. Um, but yeah, what, what ways do we know that he actually did? And also what are some of the ways that people may have exaggerated? Cause I shit, spill it. Let's hear it. Yeah. Great question. So I, um, from what word we know is that he definitely killed the two girls by gas. So he probably killed some of his other victims that way. If that probably wasn't his first time considering it was so, um, precisely planned um, because he had a drugstore and a medical background. He knew how to poison people. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if we are to uh, assume ways, he probably poisoned folks and then cut them up and burn their bodies in the glass vending machine. Um, we also know that he had a lot of experience with surgery. So I imagine, I imagine a lot of it came with drugs, knocking them out and then killing them that way. I don't think it was as vicious as like watching people suffer and things like that. I think it was more of the power control of like taking their life and cutting their body, which actually is really common with a couple of um, some other serial killers um, who. Dahmer. Well, Dahmer is a good one. Um, there was another one that was in uh, New York. Who did that? I can't think of who he was. I just read about him the other day. But Scranton Strangler. <laughs> yes. Um, but like that is really common. It's the idea, like the enjoyment of like taking apart the body. Um. I think the interesting part, though, is that, like, Holmes really didn't have the background that, like, a lot of serial killers do have in the sense of, like, coming from a home that is... Is Christopher sleeping? (laughs) Are you talking about the Brooklyn serial killer, Amanda? Uh, Yeah. Yes. What was his name? Harvey Marcellin? Yes, 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 yes. Um, but I think one of the things he did have that we could say is pretty common with like Bundy and some others is he was really charismatic and that's how we can tell with all the women he was getting. And then he would lure them back. Now these weren't women who were like prostitutes or whatever, but these were women that he would say, Oh, I need you to come do some work for me. And then he would kind of lead them on and then kill them. I'm actually really shocked that Mrs. PSL, it wasn't one of his victims based on, um, just like how he led the whole family on. I don't know if there was like a reasoning to that. And I think it's interesting too, that his three wives like had no idea, but they were not with him for a long time, if that makes sense. So I don't know if they caught on or if they were like, whatever. Um, so yeah, I, I do think it's interesting that we have made him out to be a bigger monster than what may really he's still definitely a monster right not gonna lie there but i think for him it was more of started off like insurance claims and how to make money he was definitely like a scammer and then it went from that to like oh i can just dispose of these bodies once i'm done scamming them so um so that's an interesting uh escalation of murder or just doing bad things like how do you go from that to that yeah especially if he didn't have you know the typical traits of a serial killer or psychopath yep yeah i think well and you know we i think the interesting thing too is he had you he didn't also, there wasn't like, well, I don't, we don't know because again, this is the 1800s. So research is different, but we don't know if there was also a sexual connection to this. Like we don't know if he did things that were sexually impacted before as, which is also really common with certain serial killers based on history and stuff like that. 
Well, um, yeah, because that, that's the part I just finished reading in the book at the airport earlier was, um, was it Julia mm-hmm. and Pearl? Yeah. Yeah. So there was, you know, the statement in the book about how he was, you know, had the rag over her face with the chloroform and she was just like struggling and he got slightly aroused by it. So could have been. Yeah. And like I said, we don't actually have the like, we don't have that knowledge, knowledge like we have with other folks that we, that are serial killers. So, um, so one of the fun thoughts that really comes up a lot with H.H. Holmes is that H.H. Holmes and Jack the Ripper are the same person. And Adam, we talked about this today when we were going to Costco because we go to Costco like twice a week. Um, and you asked me if it was on the same time. And I said, no, that I thought Jack the Ripper was before, but I'm wrong. It's exactly at the same time. Literally the same time. Um, so one left a shing of victims in the murky streets of London and the other operated a statistic house of horrors thousand miles away in the United States. But could Jack the Ripper and H.H. Holmes been, have been the same person? So I'm going to tell you why I think. Yeah. There's a whole documentary on this on um, History Channel that he went through as a relative of H.H. Holmes, apparently, and he was tracking yes. down to see if he was Jack the Ripper, actually. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, that's actually where I got this from. Nice. Um, so the initial overviews and the facts would say that we're probably dealing with radically different people. Um, and not because they're like in two different areas, et cetera, but there's just a thought. Um, so Jack the Ripper claimed most of their vic. I say their victims because there's also thoughts that Jack the Ripper could have been a, a woman. Um, so I just say their victims. Um, yeah, that's something that came to light recently, isn't it? Where it could have been yeah. Jackie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and there's also talks that it could have been a royal. Mm. So it's, a, it's an interesting, like, they just don't know. And it's so fascinating because it was over, you know, a hundred, what, a hundred and... 25 years ago or something. So, um, yeah. So Jack the Ripper took most of their victim on the streets, um, audaciously attacking women where they could. Um, and they could have easily been caught in the act where HH Holmes, by contrast, preferred to work in private. Um, even going so far as building, a, a the murder castle, which he was able to secure victims. Um, and like creeping out in public just didn't seem to be his style. But if we scratch beneath the surface, there are some more apparent parallels between the two. The Ripper, far from being savage, was not a messy slasher, as myth would tell us. He actually was a, they actually were a carefully and calm killer. They didn't just like lunge at their victim with a knife. First, they would choke their victims, then lay them quietly down before commencing the um, evasoration. And they would do that so that no one in earshot would be alert of what was going on. So they were very, very methodical, all of that. Holmes, too, had a methodical killing style and was a trained medic, meaning he could adapt to removing organs, which was one of the things that was believed about Jack the Ripper, was that they had some type of medical degree. So kind of an interesting correlate, like parallel to that. Um, it's also important to consider that the last of the official can, uh, victims of Jack the Ripper 
was killed in her own bed rather than on the streets. Uh, and she wasn't just simply cut open. She was like obliterated by the blade. Um, and this was like a huge escalation from the Ripper's like original killings. Uh, showing that like the style had evolved. And the theory is that this could have been Holmes trying to figure out different methods and moving towards a more grandiose style that he may have displayed in Chicago. Speaking of the United States, investigations revealed that Holmes left a trail of business documents, which allowed us to allowed them to chart his movements. So what it showed is that except for between 1888 and 1889, there's a paper trail. But during that year, that paper trail goes completely quiet, which actually is the same time of the Ripper's killing in London. So Holmes could have been the person in London killing all of those women. Then they also have his name on a shipping manifest as well. Yeah. Or na- a so, name similar to his. They have on a ship log that shows a passenger sailing from the UK to the US um, as H. Holmes. And it was shortly after the ripping killings ended in London. So kind of interesting coincidence. And then there are some linguistic experts who have analyzed the letter that Jack the Ripper sent to the London media called the Dear Boss Letter. Um, And they say that it has various quirks of language that suggest that the writer of the letter is an American. Um, And so that is like another connection because, you know, like Americans have a different kind of way we say things than the Brits. And they looked at the forensic sketch artist that was created of Jack based on witness testimony of 13 people who had seen the victims with a man before they died. And the results are a photo similar to that of H.H. Holmes. And I will post that also on Instagram. So what do you all think based on what I, I shared with you? I definitely think he is, is Jack the Ripper as well. Definitely think so. I mean, the evidence kind yeah, of Yeah, I think there's a lot way. of evidence to support. Yep. It's certainly possible. Yeah, I mean, it would be really interesting to show that we, you know, were able to solve that experience i think the other cool thing or not cool but interesting thing is you know i wonder if holmes was trying to escape and go okay i'm gonna go to the U- to london because he already said that's where um piazzel was hiding you know maybe he was gonna try to go to london to be piazzel or whatever and then couldn't fight the urge to kill and that's sort of how we know that he knows how to like choke people and get them to be quiet before killing. We know that like his medical background allows for the, the similar killings as the Ripper. You know, I mean, and like Angela said, that progression of killing, maybe he just got even more ballsy. So. Yeah. Well, that and maybe, so if all the killings in London with Jack the Ripper, Jack the Ripper were outside. Him actually having a murder castle was trying to hide any sort of evidence of that. Yeah. And I think he, you know, I think that the, I think he they can evolve, right? So he started off not really into the whole, like, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to get away. I, I can't get away with this. I have to make sure no one can find out to, 
hey, I've gotten away with this for years now, or not year, years, but around a certain amount of time. Because when did this happen? Yeah, for like, mm. oh, actually, if we think about it, he did this before he started the Chicago killing. So maybe he just gotten better. Like you said, Ange, like he was like, okay, I was sloppy. Now I'm going to get better at it. So. Yeah. Following the evolution of a killer for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause Jack the Ripper was 1888 to 1891. Yeah. The fair was 1893. And you had said when he moved over. He yeah, moved he around, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, even during when they were building the fair, um, in the book, they referenced that Jack the Ripper was still at large and he killed someone else during this time. And I think that was 1891. Yeah, he, I mean, he, they have, they said that they have like um, a paper trail of like Holmes's movement, except for between 1888 and 1889. Um, and then the ship passaging of him coming back was like right after the Ripper killings ended, which makes sense because he didn't start to build um, the castle until like 1893. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. 1891. Sorry. It's when he started building the castle. Yeah, because he wanted it to be done before the fair, or in time for the fair. And the fair took, like, a a few years. Like, a lot. Um, And so, he was always kind of on the go with business and, like, things he was doing. So, not surprised by any of that. Um, But, yeah, I think he's an interesting character. Um. I think that he definitely plays into a ton of American history and fableism. So, the yeah. Forrest Gump of serial killers. Yeah. <laughs> He's everywhere. Well, I just found an article on British Heritage that they actually, and this is as of February 10th of this year, that they oh, confirmed who Jack the Ripper's identity is. Oh, who was it? A Polish barber, a 23-year-old barber from Poland named Aaron Kosminski. I don't believe it. Yeah, I don't buy it. How how come I never heard of that? Yeah. It it just came out. Like 10 days ago. How did they even, like, I need to read more about this, because I don't know if I believe it. Aaron Kosminski? Yeah, Kosminski. Huh. based on huh. DNA evidence. But, huh. I mean, you also have, I mean, yeah, it, Holmes could have been, and there's obviously a lot of evidence to support that. But what about, like, accounts of the physical traits? Like, do those line up instead of just, like, the dates and the jumping around? So they did say that, like, he, that the person they said looked like, like the accounts that the people saw the man, the man they saw the victims with beforehand, 
did look like Holmes. But Holmes looked like every other white guy in 1890. So, like, yeah, but one of the things that stands out that they really echo in the book is he had really piercing blue eyes that mm-hmm. made him stand out. Whereas, according to the, the Jack the Ripper article, he had brown eyes. So, that's total opposite ends as far as I call her. How did they were able, how were they able to see the eyes? Were they that close to him? Like when they gave identification? Maybe. Interesting. I know. What I really like is that some people thought it was like Prince Albert Victor, which was like one of the princes. I was like, yeah, let's blame the lizard people. Yes. So. Oh, Angel, I see Aaron Kaminsky, right? Kosminski, yeah. He was a, oh, they're only blaming him because he was Jewish. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. You never know. Um, he was? Well, oh, no. yeah, they said they found DNA from him and one of the victims on a shawl. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe, I don't know. Interesting. Well, we'll have to hear what our listeners say and if they think, you know, could it have been Holmes or could it have been Prince Albert Victor, Duke of Clarence and Avondale or Lewis Carroll. I appreciated that one also was one of the ones that people. Really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so let us know your thoughts. Um, but yeah, this is sort of just the introduction into like our serial killer little things and um just wanted to share share him um so recommend to our listeners definitely recommend the book devil in the white city it's really interesting really good um don't know how true 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 it is it's definitely like a non-fiction fiction book um and then we know that leonardo dicaprio uh who only dates 25 and younger people and Martin Scorsese are creating a Hulu special about this. They were supposed to do a movie. Apparently that got canceled and now it's supposed to be a Hulu special. I have no idea the information on that, but I think it will be really exciting. Hopefully it's better than the one that is currently on Hulu about it. Oh, it's horrible. That one is like, if I I, made a movie. I barely got five minutes in. I'm like, I can't watch this. Yeah. I was like, based on my PowerPoint slide, this is the it was definitely made by the Hallmark channel. It was worse. It was made by like not even. Yeah, it's yeah. like someone had their own phone, like an Apple iPhone. <laughs> yeah. Shots fired. Some of that. <laughs> Apparently Keanu Reeves was supposed to be the lead in this. But it just I just read a story that he has pulled out. He's too busy with John Wick. I mean, God, can't wait for that. Me neither. Good on him. Yes. Yeah, it's interesting that this movie, this uh, production's having such a hard time, like being produced and like finding people to do everything. Because I feel like I've been waiting for this book to become a movie or a show for like twenty years now. Well, not that long, maybe like fifteen years. So I read this yeah. in. 2012 so it was 11 years ago Mm -hmm. yeah recommend it it's a great i'll post information about the book too on instagram um the author also like i said has a really 
another really good book called Eric, Eric Larson is the author and then he's an American journalist and he has another really awesome book called um, The Splendid in the Veil, which is really good. And then In the Garden of Beast, which is about um, the- He's Irish. got a lot. Yeah. In the Garden of Beast was really, really good. It tells a story about like the early sort of uh, pre-World War II, like America's first ambassador to like Nazi Germany experience. Um, and then the rising terror of of that. Um, so kind of an interesting, interesting take on 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 how that all started out. He's a good writer. All right. Well, I want to thank everyone for uh, joining us on this episode of the Waters Runs Deep podcast. I thank Adam for joining us as well. Uh, good to have you again. Um, just a reminder: please, please, please rate and review on your podcast platform of choice. Um, check out our listener support and our Instagram. Give us a like, share, post. Get us out there. Build this community with us. And uh, until next time. Yeah. Bye, Bye. Bye, everyone. Hey y'all, Angela here with season two, episode four, HH Holmes back checking to recap how many wives HH Holmes did have. There were a total of three that were documented. There was Clara Lovering, Murder, Belknap, and Georgiana Yoke. I know when, on the episode, Amanda and I were going back and forth about the pronunciation of her name and I was able to confirm it was Georgiana. Out of the three wives, only Murder was the one to bear his child, who was his second wife. Their daughter was Lucy Theodate Holmes. The Brooklyn serial killer who was known for dismemberment was Harvey Marcellin that Amanda was referring to. And in the topic of conversation regarding the guillotine and the accuracy rate, it was in fact a very accurate machine that was able to kill, but there were times that have been were documented in which the guillotine was sabotaged. One of those and the most famous case was reported by Victor Hugo in the preface to the 1832 edition of his book, The Last Day of a Convict. That is all I had for this week. Check in with you next episode.